0: beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Church, my prayer for us during this time is that the spirit of the almighty God guides us to see Jesus through the preaching of his word. You know, I'm so grateful during this season for technology. I'm, I'm thankful for online capabilities during this season of isolation. You see, uh, although we are unable to gather, we continue together. We continue to worship as brothers and sisters in Christ. We continue exalting the name of Jesus, our savior. We continue bowing before him in faith. We continue Meadowbrook Baptist striving to glorify God by knowing him, by growing as his people, and by going forth with the gospel of Christ. We continue, as we've done already today, we continue singing songs of praise uh, from our homes. Uh, We continue opening up the pages of scripture with our families. We continue figuratively joining our hearts and our hands in unison to God we continue encouraging and conversing and exhorting one another through phone calls and text messages and through email exchanges and, and zoom meetings. Praise God that we can stay connected even during a season of isolation, but church don't get too comfortable. Don't don't get too comfortable. We may be operating this way, it seems for a few more weeks. But when the all clear is given, we're going to come back together again in person. We're going to come alongside one another. A day is coming when we're going to sit beside each other once again. And we're going to hear each other's voices raised together to the Lord. Once again, we're going to come together. We're going to shake hands and we're going to hug necks and experience genuine community In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, once again. We're giving thanks to God for technology right now, but make no mistake about it online church is no substitute for the real thing. We were made to walk with Jesus Christ together. We need one another and we belong to one another as members of the same body. And I can imagine. A Sunday soon, I can imagine even now a Sunday on which we are able to gather together in this place once again. uh, Filling these pews once again, raising our voices in unison once again, bowing before our father and hearing the pages of the Bible turn as we open up the scriptures together. Friends, what a day of celebration that's going to be. But until then we wait until then we anticipate and until then we participate in this way. And one of the hesitations, I'll be honest about the way in which we are having to worship together online is the inability to see one another, the inability to see faces and people around the room gathered together to exalt the savior. And instead, you're, ha- you're having to look, at least at this time, at just me, the preacher. And sure, we, we can imagine a, a church family of brothers and sisters in Christ from every age in one room for worship. But the truth is, this morning, we're not gathered in one room. And as a result, if we're not careful, church, if we're not careful our focus can shift away from christ and his church and toward a particular personality or presentation and that can be dangerous it can certainly be misleading it can even be disappointing even idolatrous in full transparency here this is why i'm really not a fan of online church but in fact this is Why I'm not really a fan of the multi-site church model with satellite preaching via live streaming unless absolutely necessary, which of course is the situation that we and countless other congregations find ourselves in today. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, I heard from one of you, I heard from one of our church families who has young kids about the same age as my youngest kids. My youngest is two and a half, Eli, and this family has a child about that same age. And this mother said to me, sent me a message after the first video sermon and said uh, that her boy said, Mommy, I, I didn't know Eli's daddy was a movie star. And I can assure you, church, I'm no movie star. As we watch church on our screens, once again, on our smartphones and tablets and TVs, it may feel like you're getting an extra dose of Chris. Meadowbrook. You don't need an extra dose of Chris. You need even more Christ. As do I. See, healthy churches must never be about glorifying a particular human leader or personality. Instead, healthy churches share the weight of leadership under the lordship of Jesus Christ. A healthy church shares the weight of leadership under the lordship of Jesus. That's a central truth I want us to glean. I want us to see from God's word today. A healthy church shares the weight of leadership under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I've entitled today's message, not a one man show. And in today's text from the book of Exodus, from which I read moments ago, Moses learned that leading the mass multitude of Israelites toward the promised land could not be a one man show. He could not do this alone. And last week we looked at the first half of this chapter, Exodus chapter 18 and we read about Moses sharing with, with Jethro, his father-in-law, about everything the Lord had done to deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. But Moses met his, his father-in-law Jethro that day in the desert, and he began to tell him all the Lord had done. He began to tell him about the signs and the plagues poured out upon Egypt. He began to tell him how the Israelites were, were let go, how they were released from bondage, and how the Lord parted the Red Sea and swallowed up Pharaoh's army told them about God's provision of food and water in the desert. He told them about uh, the victory over the Amalekites. And upon hearing this news, this man, Jethro, this man put his faith in the Lord. He believed, he rejoiced, and he worshiped the Lord as the only God. And then our text tells us the next day, Exodus 18, verse 13, Jethro stuck around and he watched Moses interact with the people. He watched his son-in-law lead a a new nation. And as he did, he, he noticed that it was a one man show. See, like local citizens visiting an understaffed DMV, the people took their place in a long line to settle disputes. Like teenage girls after a a Justin Bieber concert, they stood in line for hours to meet the hero Or, or like online grocery shoppers during a pandemic. They waited for an appointment to pick up. See Moses was their leader. He was the one who sought the Lord on their behalf and who instructed the people according to God's word. He was called and he was charged to lead 1 million plus Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. This was a tall task. Moses could not do this alone. No one could. Now I remember as a boy growing up in church, I remember wondering what the preacher did every day other than Sunday. Anybody else wondered that? I see those hands. I'm going to tell you. I remember watching my own father get up early and leave for work and often many days of the week, come home late in the evening. And then I remember seeing our preacher get up on Sunday mornings for 30 or 40 minutes and and deliver a message. And then again, often on Sunday nights. And I, I thought, sounds like a pretty good gig to me. Of course, as a boy, I had no idea. The sheer amount of prayer and study and preparation that needed to be poured into a single Sunday sermon. I had no idea about the weight of leading people spiritually. I had no idea about planning worship services, about the hours of counseling people, both within and outside of the church, about the staff meetings the lead and the committee meetings to attend about the vision to cast and the mission to execute and the phone calls to make and the groups to meet the the conflicts to resolve uh, the fellowships to attend the reference letters to write the questions to answer the people to pray for the leaders, to disciple, the ministries to lead the visits to make the weddings, to officiate the funerals to lead the mission partnerships to develop and the trips to take the list could go on and on and on the work of a faithful pastor never ends before you are tempted in any way to feel sorry for me, remember that the flock entrusted to me here at Meadowbrook is nowhere near Moses' flock in the desert. Imagine this man who made excuses some chapters ago to the Lord about how he was not a good speaker didn't feel adequate for the task. Imagine this man now attempting to lead and to judge and to counsel and to govern and teach a nation of 1 million people all by himself. See, the responsibility and the workload was staggering. Thus Jethro says to Moses, what on earth do you think you're doing? Moses, have you lost your mind? Verse 21, select some men. You see all these people out here. Surely there's some who are gifted to lead. Select capable men, verse 21, from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. In other words, Moses, you need some help. Continue leading. He says, continue counseling, continue teaching God's word, but choose some men of faith and godly character to come alongside you. Choose some mature spiritual leaders to lead with you. Jethro says they're to be God fearing men, meaning they're more interested in faithfully serving the Lord than they are in advancing a personal agenda or pleasing people. He says there to be trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, verse 18, meaning you can count on them to keep their commitments and to lead and to judge with impartiality and integrity. Now, church, there's some key differences. Some key differences between ancient Israel in Moses' day and the church in our day, namely that we have a great high priest who has come. We have a perfect Passover lamb who has been sacrificed in our place. The, the veil between us and God has been torn in two. We can a, approach the throne of grace boldly with confidence through the blood of Jesus, our Lord, the spirit of God now speaks through the written word and the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, the son of God, the fullness of God and human flesh has come to us. And so when we open up the scriptures, we long to see Jesus. Spirit of God guides us, instructs us, leads us, convicts us, shapes us that we might hear his voice and follow in his way. But even so, even so, despite these differences, I believe we have a model here in Exodus 18 for use in the church. You see, as God's people tracking to Canaan needed mature spiritual leaders, so do we. As a church, we need mature spiritual leaders. We need mature spiritual leaders. In fact, Jethro's qualifications for leadership closely resemble Paul's qualifications for leadership in the church found in the new Testament. First Timothy, Paul writes to, Young Timothy, he writes to him, instructing him about the church in Ephesus. He writes to Timothy and he says, stay in Ephesus, stay there in Ephesus and instruct uh, the people in this congregation, straighten this church out. It's a mess. And one of the ways that you're to straighten this out is you're to make sure that the congregation is guided by qualified people. First Timothy chapter three, verse one, he says, here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer. Desires a noble task. Paul says, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. The list goes on and on. Likewise, he provides a similar list for Titus in Titus chapter 1. In 1 Timothy, in this text, Paul uses the word episkopos. That's usually translated as overseer. It's the word from which we get the word bishop. In Titus chapter 1, he uses uh, presbyterios, translated as elder. The former, overseer, indicates function, emphasizes function. Oversee, lead, guide, instruct. Elder connotes a title of honor. And Peter elsewhere instructs church elders to shepherd or to pastor their congregation. And hence, pastor, elder, overseer all refer to the same church office. In the New Testament, and both Jethro's and Paul's descriptions highlight the character qualifications for spiritual leaders over and beyond any skill, any personality trait or popularity. See, for instance, a church, we, we need mature spiritual leaders. And so Jethro advised Moses to select such leaders and to do so. Verse 21 from all the people. So verse 25, Moses chose capable men from all Israel. The point is that Moses and his leadership team, so to speak, were to represent the nation they were leading. In fact, later we learn in the book of Deuteronomy that when this guidance, when this advice, when this instruction was carried out in Israel, that the people themselves likely nominated various leaders to represent them in positions of leadership. And then Moses would delegate them to their various positions of spiritual leadership. Like ancient Israel church, we too need spiritual leaders who represent us. As a church, we we need mature spiritual leaders. And as a church, we need spiritual leaders who represent us. We need pastors and leaders who know us and are known by us. Of course, that doesn't happen in a day. Takes time. We need pastors and leaders who have our best interests in mind, not simply the advancement of their own personal image or ego or popularity or career. Of course, as you know, church, this is why our minister of student search committee surveyed you for input into the interview and selection process. This is why we have such a committee comprised of vital and committed members of this congregation. Their task is to serve the Lord in this way. And as they do, church, they are serving us. So members of that committee, thank you. Thank you for investing your time. Thank you for seeking the Lord. Thank you for leading in this way, for representing us in this way. The Lord used Jethro to advise Moses. Counseled Moses to select mature spiritual leaders who represented the people. But no doubt upon reading this text, the most obvious counsel he gives to Moses is this. You cannot do this alone. He says in verse 18, says you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Says the work is too heavy for you. you. You cannot handle it alone. Israel needed shared spiritual leadership. And the same is true for the church. You see, there's a principle here of of shared ministry leadership that is true. I believe for communities of faith in every age. So as a church, not only do we need mature spiritual leaders and not only do we need spiritual leaders who represent us, but as a church, we need shared spiritual leadership. No pastor can do It alone during this time of isolation, these weeks of isolation, I'm especially grateful for ministerial staff for deacons for Sunday school teachers who are calling and texting and emailing members of this church family, checking for needs, offering encouragement and providing prayer. And if you have needs, if you know of needs, we, we want to hear them. We want to hear from you. No doubt, the biblical picture of the church is one of shared ministry. With various members of the body using their gifts to serve one another for the good and for the growth of the body of Christ. But the primary principle here in the latter half of Exodus 18 concerns spiritual leadership. It concerns those who are entrusted with the responsibility to lead and to teach and to guide the community of faith. And for the church, that means pastors, elders, overseers, charged with leading God's people. Let me draw your attention to Titus chapter one. Paul writes to Titus. Titus chapter one, verse five. He says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Paul says to Titus, "Titus, the reason I left you there on the island of Crete is because there's some business that needs to be taken care of. There's some converts to faith in Jesus without leaders. And so I'm leaving you there so that you can make sure that every town with believers has leaders to guide them. Elders that can pastor and shepherd and teach and instruct. Notice that Paul tells Titus to appoint elders, plural, in every town likewise, the author of Acts tells us in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, that Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. In other words, Paul said, I want to meet with the elders. I want, I want to meet with the pastors. I want to meet with the leaders of the church in Ephesus, send for them, bring them to me. And Meadowbrook, I'm just going to say this this morning, because I believe it's biblical. This is why as a faith family, we ought to prayerfully consider whether or not the Lord may be leading us to become an elder-led congregation. With a plurality of men charged with the spiritual oversight and leadership of the church. Like many of our sister churches, both within our own Southern Baptist context and other denominational contexts, we ought to prayerfully seek. Is is this the most biblical model of church leadership, God, is, is this what you would have for us? And so church, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to, to, join, to join me in praying and seeking the Lord, asking him to, to show us what is the most faithful model of church leadership and practice according to the scriptures and certainly for us as a Meadowbrook Baptist Church. More on that another day. See, a healthy church shares the weight of leadership under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So, I want to begin to offer a few beginning application points as we think about these principles, as we seek to, to apply them to our own lives as, as believers here at, at Meadowbrook. Certainly, one is to, to pray and seek the Lord's direction, to interpret and to apply this passage and the principle found. Therein for us as a faith family, but beyond that, I want to begin with an application point for, for fellow pastors and ministers of the gospel. So, in our context, think of David Vaughn and David Eanes, think of John Lang, certainly others that have had similar responsibilities here and in other congregations in the past, and. No doubt others that will into the future. If you're a fellow pastor and a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me charge you based on the word of God to love, lead and serve Christ church. Love lead and serve Christ church. Peter writes in first Peter chapter five, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Be shepherds watching over the flock, not because you must, but because you are willing As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you know who that is, don't you? The chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. When this chief shepherd, Jesus Christ appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So fellow pastors, ministers of the gospel, love, lead, and serve Christ church and church congregation. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors. I can honestly say that one of the most encouraging things that I hear from you often, church, is that you are praying for me. Thank you. I need your prayers. We need your prayers more than we even know. Our staff needs your prayers. Pray for your pastors and church leaders and church submit to your pastors as they submit to Christ. Submit to your pastors as they submit to Christ. The author of Hebrews instructs us this way. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. He says have confidence in your leaders. And submit to their authority. Because they keep. Watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. I want to be clear. I'm not talking about blind submission. Not talking about the kind of naivety that uh, naturally assumes and believes that everything a pastor says or does is of God. We know this is not true. The history of the church has proved time and time and time again, we are all, sinful and our leaders are prone to fail us. And if you're depending on a pastor or a leader to be for you, what only Christ can be for you, then we will let you down. We will fail you. So pray for us. But where pastors and ministry leaders are serving Christ faithfully as men who fear God. Exodus 18 verse 21, then follow their lead yield to their leadership. As long as they are leading in such a way that glorifies the true head of the church, that is Jesus Christ Himself. In our own church covenant here at Meadowbrook Baptist, we say we believe that God has called, entrusted, and equipped pastors and leaders to serve and care for this local church by teaching the scriptures to us and modeling Christ's character for us. So, church, where they do, when we do, when we do so faithfully, follow our leadership. And finally, brothers and sisters, pray for your pastors, submit to your pastors as they submit to, to Christ and love your pastors as they love you. Let me call you. Let me plead with you. Let me invite you to love your pastors as they love you. Paul writes to the church, Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, hold those who care for you in the Lord. He says, hold those who care for you in the Lord, those who lead you spiritually, hold these in the highest regard in love because of their work. And church, I feel like I can honestly say to you this morning, you do this. You love your pastors. You love me without a doubt. And I want to say thank you for that. Continue loving your pastors as we love you. In May of 2013, I suddenly felt the weight of leading a local congregation to know Jesus and to grow as his people and to go with his gospel in Meadowbrook. I want you to know that that weight has gone nowhere. It has not gone away. Now, I want you to know that I'm inadequate for this task. I'm not worthy to speak into camera this morning. I'm not worthy to be on your screen today that just as Jethro said to Moses, the, the work is too heavy for me. I cannot do this. But I want you to know that I know the one who can. And I know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I know God most high. I know the one who has saved me by his grace through the blood of his son upon the cross. And I know the one who has called me to be his son and to be part of his bride known as Meadowbrook Baptist church friend. Do you know this one? Do you know this one who has done for you and for me, what we can never do for ourselves? The one who has taken our sin upon his shoulders. Who has given his life in our place that we might be forgiven of all our sin, that we might be reconciled to the most high God, that we might be forgiven and free, that we might know and enjoy eternal life in the presence and paradise of God. Most high. Do you know what it's like to get a foretaste of that day by gathering together with fellow believers? Oh, I do. I do. And Meadowbrook family, I Cannot wait to gather together again with you. But until then, until then, may we exalt the name of Jesus in our homes. May we rest in his presence and provision. And may we trust in his promises now and forevermore. In fact, I want to invite you. Now to to consider the truths of God's word to consider the the grace and the compassion and the mercy of the God that we worship, the God who is near to us, the God who is with each of us in our various places of worship today. He, He is omnipresent believer. He is with you and he loves you. He is with his people, the church. And so as we consider these truths, I want to invite you. If you would bow with me right where you are this morning and pray with me for Christ church. Would, Would you pray with me today for, for our savior's bride, certainly for his church here in Birmingham and across this nation and around the world and specifically congregation. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for Meadowbrook Baptist church that we would be a beacon of light that we would be found faithful that we would love and serve and follow Jesus Christ, our Lord, our pastors and leaders, our teachers and deacons and our staff would be, be guarded against temptation from the evil one to pray that we would love and lead and follow Jesus for the glory of our savior. In whose name we pray, would you bow with me and let's pray as a church father, we thank you for your mercy. And we acknowledge today that there is no one like you, that you are worthy of worship, that you are worthy of praise, Lord, that you are the incomparable. Holy God. And yet you are the God that has extended salvation to us in Jesus. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if there are those that are watching that do not know you, Lord, that they would bow before you today, right now, turn away from sin and trust in Jesus for salvation. Father, would you work in our hearts? Father, would we be a gospel preaching congregation of believers? Father, would we be, a, that we would be a faithful household of faith, that we would be brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers in Christ to cling to the truths of your word, who bow before you even now, right now in our homes and who anticipate gathering soon with your people. And ultimately Lord people who anticipate the return of our savior and king in the enjoyment of your presence and provision forever and ever and ever as your people. Father, help us to live as your people. Today, we we pray, Lord, that we, as a local body of believers, would be faithful to you. Lord, that this would be a season, that this would be a day, that this would be a time that we draw near to you. Lord, that we love you, that we worship you and you alone. Lord, guide us for your glory. Lead us to submit to you and to serve you because you are worthy. Lord, hear our praise now as we express our faith to you once again through song. Be glorified in us. Hear our praise. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.